episode is sponsored by Cheeky Zebra Cards. And I bloody love Cheeky Zebra Cards. You've probably seen me post them quite a few times just because Sasha, who runs CheekyZebra.com, is just lovely and funny and has been one of my followers since literally like day one when I had about three followers. And she has always supported me massively. And I really want us to all support her back, not just because she's brilliant, but because Cheeky Zebra Cards are brilliant. They are real life, sarcastic, dry, witty cards for everything from your friend getting ghosted to midlife crises, back to birthdays and anniversaries and whatever else. You can print your messages inside and send it directly to the recipient. So it's just basically a lazy way of doing something nice. The quality is insane and they come in really cute packaging. They are available from cheekyzebra.com. But if you don't want one right now, just follow cheekyzebra.com which is actually cheeky zebra d-o-t-c-o-m on instagram so that you can just be reminded of them uh, when you do need to send a card and also the page is funny and it's cute and i think you'll really like it so yeah cheekyzebra.com hello and welcome to the la 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 let me explain podcast today i'm really happy to have you here karen i'm so happy to be here yeah Thank i'm you. joined by karen hobbs from the eve appeal and we are going to do a vaginary, vulvary, labiary, cervical cancer smear test special to get everybody, women and men, thinking mm-hmm. more about vaginas, vulvas, and all of the stuff that you need to be thinking about to make sure that you are well equipped and well knowledgeable about cervical cancer, which is the best way to protect you from it. Karen, you are a comedian. Did you ever sing about vaginas or is there someone else out there doing that? Because, you know, I, I was looking at some of your, your <laughs> comedy stuff. I know that you did a whole big uh, comedy routine and you had a picture of your vagina behind you. Yeah, nice A1 poster of my vulva. You know, love to show that off. Um, <laughs> no, I don't sing about vaginas. I can try, but no, that's not me. Because oh, <laughs> I went out about five years ago to a club and there was a woman and it was, I, I didn't, I, I, I don't know how I ended up in this place, but <laughs> The whole night she was just like, I love vaginas. They are great. I get my period at quarter to eight. It was like, wow. And then suddenly I was looking at your comedy stuff. I thought, is that? No, that I haven't you? been going for five years, but she sounds brilliant. She, she, Well, brilliant might not be the word that I was. I'm being polite. Babe. Yeah, true. Come on. So, <laughs> so I'm actually quite glad that that's not you because. <laughs> <laughs> you like, because it wasn't very good. But I've seen your <laughs> vulva on um 100 vaginas you have yes the channel 4 documentary yeah how did you feel about all of that um so i have been using the big poster of my vulva in comedy sets for a little while now so when i was asked to be in the documentary and they said it involves um having a photograph of a vulva to be put into the book and then talking about the experience on camera it wasn't a complete world away from what I was kind of already doing because mm. with the Eve Appeal day job is talking about gynae health and how to check our vulvas and all that sort of thing. And then nighttime is kind of having a laugh about my own experience with cervical cancer and trying to raise awareness through comedy. So it was a bit scary to have like a camera crew between my legs. Mm. I had like a t-shirt and bra on, all my hair and makeup done. And then I was lying on a yoga mat with nothing on from the waist down. But the, I know, with a camera <laughs> crew like between my legs. So that was a bit... Um, it was a bit daunting, but I also felt like I was the one in control, if that made mm. sense, because I was kind of the subject and I'd chosen to be there and all that sort of thing. So it was kind of, I think the word empowered is 
so overused at the moment, but it was quite empowering. I found that whole documentary uh, empowering. 100 Vaginas on Channel 4. Mm. It made me feel emotional. Mm. I felt so... There were some tough stories in there, right? Oh, God. But also so many women that I just thought, wow, Mm. fuck, I'm so happy to be a woman. And so... It was kind of joyful. Yeah, I felt... Celebratory, wasn't it? Yeah, I felt sad. I felt torn. I felt upset. I felt feminist as fuck i felt so angry me too like especially the people that had spoken about like rape and fgm I think yeah they've for set for a certain period of their lives they lost control over their body and what was mm. happening to their vulva and vagina and i just think no one should be able to take that no. away from you and those stories in particular just broke my heart but me it was amazing too. that they were talking about it and mm-hmm. kind of sharing and but it also it well. also made me realize how you know what's the right mm. word i don't want to like almost downtrodden as women we are and how are we have been so shamed our mm. vulvas are so, have been such a source of shame mm. and our sexuality has been such a source of shame dirty isn't it yeah, yeah we've we've really been sort of i don't know what the right word is stigmatized or f- just fucked over mm. by men and by patriarchal it's almost society like there shouldn't have been a need for that documentary do you know what i mean exactly. it shouldn't have been this like controversial shocking new wave thing it should have just it shouldn't it shouldn't yeah. need to exist it yeah. shouldn't be this crazy program that's been made to celebrate you know vulvas yeah but it is it's yeah. it's amazing and i and it's so interesting the massive range of different experiences that mm. i think you heard from like there was 18 of us in the film yeah and no one had an identical like air quotes journey yeah we're just so different yeah yeah it was but beautiful so massive respect to you for getting involved in that um and so you've touched on that already Mm. but why you're kind of working for Eva Mm. Peel and and how you got to be the kind of vagina spokesperson Mm. (laughs) is uh, new job title yeah Yeah. put that on your yeah put that on your CV yeah um is that you had cervical cancer can you tell us a bit more about what happened yeah of course so I um had cervical cancer when I was 24 so I was too young for a smear test and was too old for the HPV vaccine at school I'd missed it so I was kind of in the sort of no man's land where wasn't vaccinated against HPV which causes about 99 like almost 100% of cervical cancers and had uh hadn't had my first smear test so I was bleeding a little bit in between periods but like no more than a bloody discharge and I wasn't in pain or anything so it it really didn't seem kind of that unusual. Like I, you know, when you back to back your pill packet because you've gone on holiday and Mm. all that sort of thing. So I just thought it was a little breakout bleed, which isn't that unusual. Um, And then I was bleeding a lot after sex, like bright red blood. Mm. Uh, And my boyfriend at the time asked if it was because his dick was too big. I know. (laughs) I thought you might like that. I was Mm. like, I'll tell you later that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I said, um, maybe. I wanted to stay together at that point. Don't know Mm. why. Um, I went on to Google. I sometimes hate the fact that people look up medical things on Google because the horror stories are on the internet Mm. and you can end up down a sort of rabbit hole of worry and diagnose yourself with a million different things. Yeah. But it saved my life because I didn't think it would be anything at all serious because I wasn't in pain. It was just a bit of blood from my vagina. You know, Mm. I have a period every month. So you know who cares this can't be that unusual but the bleeding after sex made me think I should look into it um and there was lots of different answers of things it could be it could have been an STI that was causing the bleeding um it it could have been cervical cancer that was on the other end the more serious end of the scale so I um went to book a GP appointment 
and I had to wait a few weeks because I didn't class it as an emergency because I didn't you know I was 24 mm. I just backed back my pill and was having sex yeah I'm not an emergency so I didn't want to wait a few weeks because it kept happening so I because it could have been an STI uh, which is obviously a lot less serious than cancer but still needs to be sorted out I went to an STI clinic because you can be seen quite quickly you know much more quickly than a GP appointment so I had an STI check um, and they did a vaginal examination it was the first time I'd had a vaginal examination and there were three people in the room because it was there was like a trainee doctor and nurse and you know when you're like oh mm. god ah. <laughs> when it rains it pours uh so they had a look they did STI tests I didn't have an STI I didn't think I did but you never know and they said that we can see upon kind of like visual inspection when we were looking at you that your cervix looks quite angry and inflamed so we advise you to um we need basically you need to go to a gynecologist but because we're an STI clinic, our referral would take four weeks. If mm. you go back to your GP, they can refer you in two weeks. So I went to the GP appointment um, that was a couple of weeks ahead at this point. Went to the GP appointment, said, I'm bleeding in between periods after sex. It's not an STI or anything like that. The STI clinic said cervix looks angry. So the lovely lady did a smear test, even though I wasn't due one, but she just had a look and did one anyway and she said I'm not even going to wait for the results I'm going to refer you to hospital because I can see that something isn't right mm. and I'm thinking oh. but but the chances are and it's really important to stress when I talk about this the chances of it being cancer are slim so I'm one of the few do you know mm. what I mean I don't want people to think god I've been bleeding after sex I've listened to that I'm gonna have cancer it yeah. is unlikely and it's really yeah. important to stress um something that it was quite likely to be was something called cervical erosion so basically mm -hmm. the sort of the top layer of the cervix that you can that you can see upon having a smear test or when you're having sex is the bit that kind of gets impacted uh can they can get it can get a bit angry and, and bleed and that's not uncommon and with sort of hormonal imbalances of taking the pill that was an option so it was most likely going to be that so I went to the hospital two weeks later for a colposcopy which is a camera into the vagina to look at everything kind of more clearly and magnified and the lovely doctor I was panicking at this point because you know now mm. we're in a hospital I don't know about you but things seem a lot more serious mm. do you know what I mean in yeah. the hospital so I was panicking and saying oh, it might be cancer it might be cancer and she was really lovely she was saying it probably isn't it's probably this erosion because you're 24 etc etc so she had a look um on yeah, there was a kind of a screen that she could see everything more clearly on and after a couple of minutes <coughs> excuse me after a couple of minutes she said I'm just going to get somebody more senior Mm. Uh, yeah exactly your face you said everything yeah sorry yeah. no 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 I i'm just like agree. really feeling your story oh yeah, sorry mm. so after a couple of minutes yeah she said i'm gonna get someone more senior um and that doesn't sound like a hormonal imbalance mm. do you know what I mean? so so a man in a suit came in who was a mister not a doctor and i was like oh fuck i might have cancer yeah and he uh looked at me for a lot kind of shorter period of time than she did and just said get dressed so I sat down, he took a biopsy, which is like a small tissue sample, um, to obviously investigate what was going on. And I sat down and immediately I was just panicking because, you know, this isn't supposed to be happening. It's mm. too serious. And I said, is it cancer? And he quite rightly said, we need to wait for the results of the biopsy. It will take a couple of weeks to get the results. Oh my God. And I'm thinking, I've already waited two weeks for this appointment. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't now wait another two weeks. That's a whole month of not knowing what the hell yeah. is going on. And I was pushing and I, I said can you like give me any idea 
please uh, yeah. and he said put it this way i'd be i'd be doing this for 30 years and i'd be surprised if it wasn't cancer oh god oh my god and then at that moment like you know i lost i felt like i lost every sense it was weird like i couldn't like black spots your hearing goes you're sweating mm. i just went fuck and then burst into tears and you were on your own yeah so my friend was waiting in the waiting room but i was in the room on my mm. own just with the doctor and um because I, cause the thing is if you have an abnormal smear test result which is called cervical screening sorry cervical screening test if you have an abnormal result you will most likely go for this colposcopy it's a common procedure so mm. again i don't want people to listen to this and think i've got to go for a colposcopy i've got cancer. abnormal cells are really common aren't they yeah so about one in 20 um test results will be abnormal yeah so at that point you're not supposed to go fuck i've had a smear i've got abnormal cells i'm on my route to about to be diagnosed with cancer because one in 20 smears or cervical screenings are going to come back with abnormal cells exactly it just means they need to investigate further exactly it means that something is going wrong sometimes even the results are wrong if that makes sense as in it might be a false positive Mm -hmm. so one in 20 uh, results are abnormal and it's really unlikely that one of those results are going to end up in a cancer they obviously do sometimes but it's not likely so a colposcopy is actually a really common procedure so i don't Mm -hmm. want people to yeah to panic thinking i've got to go for a colposcopy if you've had an abnormal result you'll be going for a colposcopy yeah um it's just that sometimes, unfortunately, there is bad news mm-hmm. at the end of it. Uh, so I had to wait two weeks. And even though he'd said it's probably going to be cancer, I was still kind of clinging on to the fact that it might not be because nobody's perfect. Doctors make mistakes mm-hmm. sometimes, don't they? No one's no one's 100%. So I thought I might be one of those lucky people because I'm so young, mm. so young and healthy. Mm. Well, I'm not healthy I've got cancer do you know what I mean yeah um so then two weeks later went back and the results were in and it was cancer but at that point I kind of I had sort of thought it would be because he'd given that indication so me yeah. for me the biggest shock was when he said I'd be surprised if it wasn't cancer rather than when he said it definitely is cancer mm. but I took my mum to that it's definitely cancer appointment and seeing her like i'm an only child they went through 19 years of trying to have kids i'm an ivf baby like the pressure's on (laughs) to be to be you know the perfect daughter so sat there with her um and for the doctor to say you know karen's got cancer oh my god my mum's reaction i wouldn't wish anybody to see their parent Mm. that upset it was it's heartbreaking it was honestly baby it was so horrible to see her in that state because for her she i'd I'd sort of, I feel bad. I kind of led her on a little bit and said, it's probably nothing, but I'm going for these tests because I didn't want to worry her. I was already freaking the fuck out. I don't want to then take on my mum's worry as well. Yeah. Couldn't deal with it. So I sort of said, it's probably nothing. So then when she heard it was cancer, that was sort of everything fell apart for her at that point. Mm. And yeah, it was really, it was really, really horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It must have been fucking your whole world just torn apart and at 24 i mean you know it's not fair at any age it's not fair at any age but i guess you know the the older you are the more skills and coping mechanisms that you have to deal with that's really true i never thought of it like that yeah i'd never had really anything that bad i'd had you know kind of grandparents and you know like an aunt die but Mm. i've not had anything 
I mean, so it's, it's mega. And heavy. It's, yeah. yeah, it's huge. And did you, did you get the right support at that point? Did you get put in touch with Macmillan or any of the cancer yeah, charities? Yeah, so we had, yeah, so you get um, put in touch with a CNS, which is a clinical nurse specialist. Um, and she was from Macmillan. And so you have support alongside the kind of medical this is the next appointment. This is mm. the procedure you have to have. So I, at the time, wasn't working for the Eve Appeal. I had a very boring job because um, I was at university in the evenings. So I had a boring day job um, for a pharma market research company just on reception, you know, mm. to get through uni. And they had private healthcare as part of the job. So I was at the NHS initially, um, which was absolutely amazing. They saw me really quickly and, you know, did all the right things and supported me. But I had my surgery privately because work offered it to me it was kind of part of the oh, I've, I've got, yeah I feel awful saying I have my surgery under private care I'm really I'm aware do you, that know, a bit what? Of a, um, do you know what I mean I feel kind of embarrassed to say I don't that. think you should I, I mean it's, it's really I fucking love the NHS I love the and NHS they saved my life yeah I have to stress yeah that. They, Absolutely I am so proud of the NHS. I've been on all the Save the NHS marches. Mm. But um, we are under really dark times at the moment, under a government who are starving all of our public yeah. resources in order to be able to justify privatising so that their mates who work for these wonderful private companies can mm. get more money. You know, it's yeah. a fucked up mm. system. And we have to support the NHS and the doctors and the nurses. But um, I don't, I mean, I've got private, healthcare mm. um th- I, I just, it's weird that we're a little bit embarrassed i'm not embarrassed oh, the good, only reason good. i do it is because my gym would be a hundred pounds a month and i can't afford that i'm i'm yep. at all but uh i do i'm not going to advertise it because really they should be paying me to yeah. advertise yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. but i go with a private healthcare company for me and my son mm. which means mm. that i get my gym for like really cheap i get my gym for like 45 quid instead of 100 or just under 100 and plus i get private healthcare and for your son as well and for my son as well so uh, and that is um it doesn't cost very much but Mm. i feel like i'm willing to you know i i I did a budget recently and i was spending like fucking 25 quid a month on lattes and stuff like that before when i was working so i just thought you know what if you cut out is so easy to kind of exactly away yeah chunk of money you don't realize yeah, you're doing exactly it, do you? so I, st- I stopped working in september i've had to really be careful about budgeting mm. and living are you within... monitoring it a lot i never used closely. to i just yeah. used to tap 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 and now i'm really aware of what i spend and i've got a really tight budget so and i was like a limit and you're like if i've yeah. gone over that i'm not allowed that coffee because that's exactly not within my budget this week and either. and i chose the private healthcare thing not only for the fact that god if if anything did happen, I'd really want to be rushed through. But also because you get free, um, for me and my son, CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, wow. eight yeah. sessions a year, which is um, which is really amazing. Yeah. So if anyone wants to know the private healthcare company I'm with, I will tell you, but really they should be paying me or giving me like freeness for So I'm not going to say. Like I'm more not. CBT sessions. Yeah, maybe I should yeah. contact them and just be like, yo, I'll talk about you on my podcast if you give you. me. Yeah, it's the world we live in, babe. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, so so you you found out that you had cervical cancer, yes. and oh, so w- just was to everything out with the private then quickly? Yeah. So so for me, so it didn't cost me. Cause I, okay, I don't know why I've got this embarrassment. I need to get over it. I'm not. Ashamed. I shouldn't be ashamed. Um, but the surgery I was due to have, I would have had to wait a month extra if I was waiting for the NHS, mm. um, which would have been just after Christmas, and 
I was really not coping mentally. I'm sure nobody does when they're diagnosed with cancer. And I realised that, you know, not everybody is given the opportunity to have the operation Mm. quicker. But it didn't cost anything. It was part of my sort of package at work, this big company. And it meant I was operated on before Christmas rather than after Christmas. Mm. I think... I, I mean, I've had a lot of mental health issues. We can go into that later if you want, since the diagnosis. Mm. But I would have been, I think, in a much worse place mentally if I'd had to wait through the Christmas period that bit longer. I yeah. wasn't coping. Yeah. So when they said you can have the operation a month earlier mm. at no extra cost to anybody, I yeah. thought, I've got, I've got to My for me. My God, yeah. why wouldn't you? But I, don't, I, I, yeah. I get where you're coming from, but I, don't, I, mean? I think you need to let go of that, mm. of, of that feeling of... of I mean, I think it's because you're probably someone like me who just believes that everyone should have equality. That's and that, the thing. I feel so guilty. Yeah, that I, yeah. I was sort of whizzed through, but it's important to stress that the um, my diagnosis wouldn't have gotten worse in that month that I had right. to wait. So if someone's listening to this and thinking, "Well, I've just been diagnosed and I can't go private," so you know, I'm going to be worse off than than she was. It, yeah. it, the cancer I had doesn't develop that quickly, so it's really important to stress yeah. that I wouldn't have been medically more ill yeah if i'd waited so then you had your surgery yes and how does it all go after that how does explain the process yeah so it's very weird to say i'm lucky when it comes to cancer because you think i've got cancer at 24 that's not lucky but i was lucky in the grand scheme of things so i had a stage 1b grade 3 which means the cancer was small but nasty Mm -hmm. Uh, so i just had to have surgery it was a big operation so i had my cervix the surrounding tissue and about a third of my vagina removed and lymph nodes to check if it spread and if it had gone into the lymph nodes then i would have needed um probably a combination of chemo and radiotherapy but you didn't have to have that they just did the surgery just the surgery so i waited uh you have to wait about three weeks after operation to find out if it's in the lymph nodes and when i went to that appointment it was between christmas and new year like that christmas was shit it was such a shit christmas oh Oh my god it was awful so we went on the 29th of december to find out if i needed a lot more treatment which would have meant you know a lot a lot tougher Mm. journey uh and when my consultant said that the results were negative i panicked because negative's a bad word mm. and I forgot that in medical terms yeah. it means a good thing so yeah. I was like oh my god I'm dying and then he's like no it's a good thing it means there was nothing they were negative yeah, yeah. and then I thought amazing and when I found out I didn't have to have more treatment it was honestly like being told I never had cancer in the first place wow it was the best feeling to mm. know that statistically that would be it obviously there are chances of recurrence but it mm-hmm. gets the chances get slimmer as you know the checkups go on and you get further away from the initial diagnosis yeah and it was the best feeling amazing it was amazing i need you to explain because i'm sure as as i have uh my listeners are going to feel the same when you say third of your vagina removed yeah how does what does that how does that work so if you imagine like you're sort of standing up and the vagina is kind of like a little tunnel going upwards. You've got the sort of cervix, which is the neck of the womb at the top of Mm -hmm. the tunnel, if you like, that then goes up into the womb. So I had cervical cancer. So the cancer was in the cervix, the Mm -hmm. neck of the womb. So that was removed. The cervix. The cervix was removed. Um, Then the surrounding tissue. So they had to check that it hadn't spread into the tissue and to be kind of extra cautious and part of the procedure and where the tumour was, they removed, if you imagine sort of, it is sort of a vertical tunnel, the Mm -hmm. vagina sort of 
cut out the top third of it. So, so the vagina's not But what's shorter. there? All oh, right. Yeah. So it's all still like, there's not like a hole where your cervix was well very good question so um when they finish this type of surgery so it's called a radical trachelectomy they put in so essentially the the cervix is kind of like a plug if you like so it creates mucus it allows period blood out sperm in it holds in a baby you mm-hmm. know before you dilate and have a baby so it's got quite a lot of kind of job roles to do so when it's removed they tend to put this sort of little stitch in place to sort of bring everything together and to allow a period out if you kept your ovaries and are still menstruating Um, and are you still having periods yeah so I had uh, my ovaries and womb were not affected so Mm -hmm. I've got ovaries and womb no cervix and less of a vagina right but um, fertility is a big question that comes up with that. Mm-hmm. And I have never been pregnant before, so I don't know sort of how naturally fertile I am, but my fertility hasn't been affected. So however good my ovaries were before mm-hmm. cancer, they're still the same. Um, my womb is still the same. So the basket and the eggs are still mm-hmm. the same. But because I don't have this, the plug yeah. to hold it in, there's a higher chance of miscarriage. Right. So you just have to be induced, you have to have a cesarean, obviously, because there's no cervix to dilate, yeah. to push out. So there would be, if I were to have a baby, a cesarean about uh, about eight months. Right. And you have to sort of between six and eight months be very careful. And yeah. there is a there is a higher chance of miscarriage. There's, it's about, I think about a third likely that something wouldn't work out, mm-hmm. which is horrible. But lots of people that have had a gynae disease end up not being able to have children naturally at all so yeah. you have to you do have to keep putting things into perspective um so a little stitch was put in place to allow period out sperm in and eventually if i would have a baby sort of hold the baby in as best it could without you know the natural cervix um my stitch broke which is happens in about 50 percent of the operations mm. so i don't have a stitch now so i've just kind of got a little gap if you like and if I do want to get pregnant, then I would discuss that with my consultant and they would either put a stitch in in very early stages of pregnancy. It's safe to do that. They've checked. Um, or before I started trying, if I was if I knew that I was, you know, definitely mm-hmm. going to start trying for a baby. So, it yeah, just because, you know, the, the cancer's gone, there's still sort of lots of things you have to yeah. keep thinking about. It doesn't kind of just end because you've been given mm-hmm. the all clear. It's, yeah, it's kind of and, and extra baggage. I mean, I don't know if this it feels like it's such a personal question no, to please. ask you, but is, is sex any different mm. or can you, is it, can they, a penis feel that your vagina is shorter? Mm. And yeah, that's, it's not too personal at all. You can honestly ask me anything. You like. <laughs> uh, so sex feels, it feels different. It doesn't feel worse. It did feel worse for a while about so you can't you can't have sex after the type of surgery I had for at least six weeks mm-hmm. because you, you need to allow to allow your body to heal. So um, I waited until like literally six weeks to the day, like let's go, mm. and it hurt. And I should have waited for longer. Everyone's different, so I'm not telling people that they need to wait for longer than six yeah. weeks. Um, I wasn't ready. I bled because everything was still healing. It was painful, uncomfortable. I was obviously worrying and tense, so I didn't get as wet. So mm. it was just sore and not. It just wasn't as pleasant. So it took several months to feel kind of, because it's really weird when you've had 
so the only person sort of between my legs that I'd had before all of this was a sexual partner so I'd never had I haven't had kids or anything like that I'd never mm. had my vagina looked at in a medical way so to go from like partners to doctors for months all the time it it took a while for me to sort of in a way do you know what I mean when I say like retrain my brain to not feel so medicalized yeah about my I, th- genitals, I, th- I think you know? that happens after pregnancy do you think, um, yeah. yeah I didn't have a vaginal birth I had a a c-section but I definitely felt like that whole area because I was I was single Mm. I became single during my pregnancy from a long-term relationship Mm. and so yeah it very much felt like my whole vagina was belonged to a a baby and some doctors like it didn't it wasn't a sexual area yeah Yeah. it feels like it's not yours it the doctor saved my life it's not like erotic it's just this like yeah I couldn't imagine wanting like someone to go down on me because I was so used to my consultant fiddling around and checking and and saving my life which again need to reiterate this saved my life but it stopped me feeling sexual it made Mm. me feel like this kind of medical being for a long time so I didn't enjoy sex for a little while I I'd say masturbating helped me get back in touch with myself because it was in my own time yeah no, nobody pressurized me when it came to sex again I should say that but it was about exploring my own body really slowly and calmly at my own pace not just going straight for my genitals like touching myself in other places like my breasts and all that sort of mm. thing and my thighs and kind of reacquainting myself with the fact that I'm not just a 24 year old that's had cancer Mm. I'm a young woman and that means so many more things than than having a disease Mm -hmm. for me um so it took a while to enjoy sex again um now it just feels it feels different again I can still have vaginal orgasms which is I could I could I know not everybody can yeah I could prior to cancer that's always been a thing for me (laughs) Uh, and that hasn't changed which I'm really happy about because I think if I'd if it had taken away, and I know it does for lots of people that have had a gynae disease and had much more, you know, sort of severe invasive treatment, mm. it takes away a, quite a bit of their sexual function. So I'm really lucky that I was able to have the same, air quotes, type of orgasms that I was prior, because I think I would have felt incredibly robbed if it had taken away yeah. my ability to have fun yeah 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 but you said that what had come with it after inevitably it feels like is is lots of um issues around mental health mm. is that a post-traumatic stress disorder or yeah so i've i've never been calm let's say yeah uh, i've never been a chilled out girl but since having cancer i've so i'm on medication at the moment for anxiety and depression i go to therapy every week and I have tried sort of lots of different avenues of medication and things and realize it's not all about tablets but sometimes they help you sort of rebalance and then work through problems so I it's really weird I about a it, it took about a year after my diagnosis for me to think oh I don't think I'm okay because mm. once you I'm sure lots of people that have had not necessarily cancer but any type of kind of big medical thing happened to them you kind of you're so grateful that you survived it mm. that you don't almost allow your brain to catch up with what's happened you're just grateful that the cancer's out and the last checkup was clear yay mm. but about a year later everything sort of just hit me and I thought oh my god I had cancer at 24 mm. I could have died 
what does this mean? And you, I was questioning my mortality so much because whilst the chances of my cancer coming back because it was caught early are a lot smaller than someone that had been, you know, in a much more serious situation, you do think, first of all, it's not fair. Mm. Second of all, it's happened before. What's to stop it happening again? You mm. you feel absolutely invincible and also the most fragile yeah. in the same breath. And it's it's horrible because I thought you, 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 you feel like nothing can stop you and you feel that everything is overwhelming at the same time. It's this mm. really weird sort of dichotomy and weird balance that I, I just can't. And I still don't think I can get my head around. And I seize the day on one hand like started doing stand-up because fuck it I survived cancer yeah. like you know I can survive dying on stage if I didn't yeah. die in my life do you know what I mean I can do this yeah. but on the same note I panic and overthink and stress and can't cope with sort of normal situations that I would have once been able to cope with if that makes sense it's this weird yeah. do you, is that kind of how you feel because you're having to go for CBT and things like you you are you mm. I, I'm not able to I, handle things you once were. Do you know what I mean? I, I, don't, I don't know if that is... I was thinking about this, funny enough, mm. the other day. Um, I want CBT just because I want it. Like, mm. I, I want it almost to prevent me from yeah. going down that route. I do with some tools yeah. that stop you, perhaps. I did a mental health special the other day, mm. and I was kind of sitting there like, actually, do I have any mental health issues? No, mm. not that I've been diagnosed with. But I do feel as I'm getting older, I'm finding, mm. and I don't know if it's, I think a lot, I mean, I've obviously been through some shit mm. in my life, never as much as what you've no, ever had to face. No, everyone's problems the worst problems in the world. No, but yeah. I think fucking cancer at 24 is pretty- It's pretty shit, isn't Fucking it? shit, yeah. yeah. And I don't know how I would cope with that. Um, you know, I think as we've all been through different kind of traumas. Everyone's and got their own- I've always been pretty good at coping with things mm. because I, have, I had such a hardcore job- um, where I was dealing with other people's trauma, like real serious fucking trauma. Um, and I I developed really good coping mechanisms with that. Like I, I would go home and I would talk to people like, oh yeah, I've just been dealing with a baby with chlamydia and, and they'd be like, oh, and I'd be like, that's that okay. Shocking, yeah, it? and it yeah. is shocking. Yeah. It is shocking, but you are so highly trained to be able to not, I, I didn't lay at home. I mean, there's a few cases that, that really rocked me, but um, you know, in that job, you can't, um, go home every night like you know you you have to be yeah. able to have coping mechanisms that go i can compartmentalize that and then i'll pick it up again tomorrow morning mm. at nine o'clock and even when i'm picking it up at nine o'clock tomorrow morning i'm not going to be a fucking quivering mess because i have to be strong for these people yeah. that I, it's your job isn't it yeah. exactly so i would uh, so so i have developed really good coping mechanisms but um i think as i've got mm. older i i don't know if it's the state of the world as mm. well i feel feel like slightly less in control most people in the world would benefit from some therapy everyone everyone literally I can't, yeah i can't think of one there person. are so many different types of it that something would suit everybody yeah. but the the mental health services there's not um so i after i had cancer about a year after when i thought i'm not okay mm. i through my gp was given eight free sessions of kind of cancer counselling at sort mm -hmm. of a bereavement centre and it was for people who are dealing with things like I was going through or just lost somebody that type of thing 
And that was brilliant, those eight sessions, but that was all the NHS could provide because mm. there are just not anywhere near and it makes me yeah. so upset enough resources. Um and that was all they could offer and that was fine and it and it helped, but then as time passed, I sort of forgot maybe the skills that I'd learned in those eight weeks. And eight mm. weeks isn't very long and all that yeah, sort of thing. So, and that's another one of these things, isn't it, where I always recommend therapy to everyone and everybody's like, yeah, but again, there is a rich, poor divide when yeah. it comes to therapy, but mm. there actually doesn't need to be. Um, there are, if you go online and you just Google free therapy or yeah. free counselling in my local area, yeah. put in put in your postcode or whatever. There are lots of people who are training. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm, I see somebody every week who is training. Yeah. So it's a lot cheaper. I don't have 120 quid a week. No. I work for a charity. Do you know yeah, what I, mean? yeah. I can't I can't do that. I don't have the private healthcare anymore. I don't have yeah. anything like that because I can't afford it. Yeah. I'm just lucky to be able to given it yeah i don't have my own money sort of thing yeah um so yeah i'm with someone that's training and i've only been a few sessions but we'll we'll see yeah but it's really really difficult i yeah the, the combination of anxiety and depression so we talk about how kind of depression is dwelling and living in the past mm. and anxiety is living in the future mm. so when you've got both of them it's this weird combination of i don't see the point in getting out of bed sometimes mm. but at the same time i'm lying there in bed unable to move with my heart hammering and my brain working overtime about what people's opinion of me for laying in bed will be Ugh. that's the, yeah you should listen to my uh, mental health special I, will. I did a podcast last week with two two mental health advocates it was really good and we spoke about lots of different um techniques because one of them was diagnosed with anxiety mm. the other person had borderline personality mm, disorder wow. a non the artist and uh, Soraya Stewart and and actually we were talking about just the the real importance of everything just being such small tasks and like the here and now yeah. like yeah right now can you just even get one foot out of bed that's all you have to do you don't yeah. even have to get your whole body yeah. out into the or kitchen you just prop like, yourself up. Yeah. yeah and that's a fucking achievement yeah. and like just take small tiny steps you can't suddenly achieve everything and sort your whole life out no. in in one day like no. if you manage to have that glass of water yeah that's brilliant mm. do you know what i mean like yeah. if you can brush your teeth yeah once every couple of days if you're stuck at home mm -hmm. that's a lot better than not like yeah. little tiny things like you were just saying can start to mean the world of difference absolutely yeah absolutely so i wanted to just read out another couple of some people sent me some stories when i said that you were coming on yeah. um and they wanted mm. the uh, other women to hear to hear their stories yeah, so this is uh, rebecca's story she said i was constantly bleeding during sex and even when i was masturbating alone using clitoral stimulation only i would bleed after was that your experience as well or was it just during sex just during sex yeah just during penetrative sex so she said i went to my Ooh. gp and they sent me to the two-week weight rapid cancer clinic yep when i went to the clinic they basically laughed at me like this is not cancer no way because my smear was normal and there was no ulceration or anything i was crying and then being like how can i be 25 and not be sexually active this is not fair mm -hmm. so i think what well, at that point she was kind of feeling like well i'm there's no reason i'm bleeding from sex i can't be having sex mm -hmm. there's nothing no, anyone mm -hmm. can do about it um so she cried to the woman uh so the lady had a look and realized that i had an ectropian that's which, the erosion we were talking about right. yeah yeah which is when the cervix turns inside out probably caused by being on the pill for nine mm -hmm. years so is that really yeah, an that outcome was, yeah so the uh, yeah basically the kind of having the hormones in the pill so it's basically when sort of it's a bit too much estrogen if you like right. in the cervix and it can make 
the cells in the cervix kind of come out to the surface of the cervix, which is what you can see upon sort of visual inspection during a smear test. That's what we'll be able to see if you looked inside somebody. Um, So that's what it was thought that I had Mm -hmm. because I've been on the pill for ages. You know, that I was bleeding. So that is a common outcome for this. It it sounds not, I'm not trying to belittle the story at all, but I think I want, it can be sorted out if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But I, and I th- I'm glad that you're saying that because it is this whole thing of like, girls, go and get all this checked out. And if you hear any of these words, don't suddenly go, rah, yeah. rah, heard these yeah, words yeah, yeah. in that book. Just be like, as we said, one day at a time. Day like at a time. right now, I'm getting my colposcopy. Things can be sorted Who out. Who knows what will happen tomorrow. Let's mm-hmm. not be anxious about mm-hmm. it in advance. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, she agreed to have this removed and said that it might help the symptoms. In order to have that done, you have to have a biopsy. I had that done and was called for a colposcopy, but was given no feedback or outcome. Shortly after, I was laid back with my legs in stirrups being examined, and I said to the consultant, what are the chances of this being cancer? And he replied, oh, have you not been told? It is cancer. Oh, my God. Fucking hell. Again, like, respect to the fucking NHS, but I think they are so under-resourced and so... I mean, vote Labour, Jeremy Corbyn, um, please. I can't believe that. Because I think, you know, how can you be so stretched and so under-resourced and so busy that you actually forget about incredibly the importance of patient care and delivering that information? Anyway. Something got missed, right? Yeah. There's a big error there. Exactly. Mm. So she said, this was in 2015. I am now cancer-free, but I have to have six monthly checkups because it is a high-grade sin. What does SIN stand for? So SIN stands for cervical intraepithelial neoplasia. Basically means changes to the cervix. Right, okay. Basically, I am the luckiest person alive because I've pushed for it. My smear was normal and I had two sexual uh, health checks. So they wanted to send me away. If it doesn't seem right, then fight until they take you seriously. Oh, that's made my heart go funny. Oh my God, I'm so... Yeah. I hate that she had to push for it. Yeah. And many, many people so wouldn't have. No, many people have said, oh, I'll just listen to the doctor. Exactly. That's fine. Yeah. You, we say this at the Eve Appeal a lot, you need to know your own body. Yeah. We're not doctors. So the the general person isn't, you know, like yeah. the average woman isn't going to be a doctor, but she knows what her body looks and feels like and when mm-hmm. she bleeds and all that sort of thing. Like you, you do have to kind of try and learn your own normal. Yes. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And, look out for changes and and push if you think something yeah something isn't right i hate that she wasn't told and mm. it was missed and she had a horrible experience that's a really but it's a great cancer free um, but it's a crap thing to have happened yeah and she's amazing i actually met her i'm totally anonymous so i never meet any of my um followers i i like if i ever see any of them i have to not speak and, how does like, that work oh, it's you, fucking yeah. it's difficult but i was like fucking off my tits at a rave a couple yeah. like she was one of my early day followers and uh i saw her in the toilet and i just went up to her i was like is your name rebecca she was like yeah i said i'm layla and uh yeah <gasps> she was, she like, was ah! like ah and we spent the rest of the night partying together oh, that's fun. Yeah. yeah so um so yeah she's fine i mean we we partied in like 2017 so the two years after all of this and i would have never have known that that's what she'd been through previously oh rebecca that's amazing yeah shout out to rebecca mm-hmm. uh and somebody else wrote in and said my smear in january revealed all abnormal cells i had a colposcopy and leap 
L E E P. What's yeah. that? Uh, that's when the ab- it's called a leap procedure. So it's when the abnormal cells are removed. Right. So she had a colposcopy and leap to remove them. The leap found sin one two three G. No, sorry, sin one two three C G I N. So yeah, so sin is cervical intraepithelial neoplasia. So that's the. So imagine the cervix is like a donut. Mm-hmm. So the there's icing yeah. on the top of the donut and sort of if you turn it so that the icing is facing you mm-hmm. that's what we can see when we do a smear test or if you know you had a camera attached to the end of a penis and yeah. it was going in, that's what you'd be able to see is the icing on the donut turn uh-huh. that way um the sin is when there is an abnormal area on the sort of surface of the cervix mm-hmm. if that makes sense and then CGIN is when there's changes to the glandular cells, which right. is part of the sort of cervical canal. It's basically not the surface of the cervix. Right. Um, All the bits attached to exa- it. Yeah, right. they're kind of, they're treated similarly, SIN and CGIN. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're, they're slightly different and they can cause, uh, if the abnormalities develop, the cancers are two different types of cervical cancer. Right. But they are, when they're, just again not just but just in air quotes because it's still shit to have abnormal cells Mm. Uh, when they're just abnormal cells they're often treated in the same way right yeah and it says i was diagnosed with adenocarcinoma adenocarcinoma Adenocarcinoma. yeah so that's the type of cancer which oh god i was diagnosed with stage one cervical cancer Mm. but in three months so this was this january she said in three months i have been diagnosed and cleared of cancer Mm. due to my smear test catching it early Girls need to get their smears ASAP as they really do save lives. It saved mine. What a babe. Um, and one story which um, is not as positive. Um, if you go to at Ellie Fights Cancer, uh, Ellie is a young woman who developed cancer between the three-year period uh, in between smears. Mm. So you would have your cervical screening mm. every three years mm. after the age of 25 in the UK. Mm. Um, but Ellie developed the cancer between at some appointments. point between the three years. Um, and she received a, ty- a terminal diagnosis as the cancer had spread to her pelvic wall and stomach. Mm. Ellie is currently fighting for the NHS to shorten the gap between smears. So Big love out to Ellie fights cancer. Um, and and what difficult... do we think about that? Because <clears throat> like when I was, how old are you, by the way? I'm 20. Oh, I'm 29. I was about to say I'm 28. Karen, you turned 29. <laughs> I'm 29 now. Happy birthday. Um, I am nearly 10 years older than you. Mm. So I, um, when I was younger, I had my first smear at like 17. Mm. It was three years after you've been sex- started mm. being sexually active. I believe was so. That, was that the rule? Like three years yeah. after you become sexually active, mm-hmm. you go for your first. So I, I lost my virginity at fourteen, mm. which is not very highly recommended. Um, I was fifteen. These yeah, days. yeah. Um, but yeah, so so I had my first at seventeen, and then. So who kind of told you that that's? Were you invited for one, or did you kind of just like yeah, go to your GP? Invi- and like, when did you have sex, or how? It, did that, that was just the thing. It only changed. I don't know when it changed. I'm sure somebody listening mm. would know, but but this is a relatively new thing that it's over 25. It's a relatively new thing, and I think it's in line with the Tory cuts. Um, yeah. Again, vote Labour, Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, in Scotland they it was um, it was 20, but I think the age is in Europe. It's um, over 16, and you can get a smear every year. 
people have written to me from France and Germany and all sorts of places and their yeah. rules are very different to ours. people I know in France kind of have sort of, um, yeah, every year yeah. as part of a uni guidance check. It's so difficult because, so the reason it's every three years mm. is that typically, yeah. again, really like typically, obviously there are exceptional cases, but the cells take a long time to change. Mm-hmm. And they sometimes go back to normal. And if they don't, then it takes a long time to develop. And I, yeah, I heard so, about yeah. this, which is that, that actually, if people are going every year, it's going to cost the NHS more money because there's going to be all these abnormal, mm. false abnormal, false positives. False positives yeah. and, that would have gone back to normal if left alone. And isn't that fucking sad, though, that it's like, but yeah, but we might save more lives. It might cost more money. Mm. I mean, that... It's so difficult. It's about, I was talking to one of the um, gynecologists that we work with at the Eva Pill about this. It was um, Cervical Cancer Prevention Week in January and we kind of did a little sort of series of Q&A videos. Um, they're on the Eva Pill website if you want to check them out. And that was one of the questions. Mm. Why is it every three years yeah. when you hear about horrible stories like this where there was something missed and, you know, cancer yeah. developed in three years? And first of all, it's kind of important to know that cervical screening tests aren't 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying her cancer didn't yeah. develop in those three years, but we don't necessarily know the full picture. And it might have been that it was missed. Right, the first which time is, around. Which is yeah. no better. It's still yeah, awful. Yeah. And I can't even bear stories like this. It's just heartbreaking. Mm. Crime eyes, it's horrible. But it might have been missed. Because yeah. can- they're about 75-ish percent effective. They're mm-hmm. not perfect. They're designed to look at the well, the healthy cervix and look for abnormalities rather than to hunt out cancer. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So things things get missed and it normally takes years for something to develop. Mm-hmm. So three years is kind of the recommended gap that means that we can afford to screen everybody yeah. that has a cervix that needs it and also intervene and not allow these cancers to have gone on for like 10 years. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Three years is sort of the... The recommended time but of course but the other thing the, the other thing that, that i find really bizarre is that obviously is it the majority of cervical cancers are caused by hpv yeah. or so an hpv mm. can arise through any type of sexual contact doesn't yeah. necessarily need to be penis in vagina mm-hmm. Correct. um and this is why i don't understand why i mean you could have been having sexual contact from the age of 13 14 mm. So then you're waiting nearly 10 years, potentially, Mm. which is, I've been contacted by so many women who who know friends, who've got it at like 20, 21, Mm. 24, like Mm you. And that seems to be very common. So again, I think that the fact that it's 25 seems a bit, it should be, it should be three, exactly how it was when I was younger, which was three Three years years after after sexual sexual contact. contact. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I know lots of people do, excuse me, do think it should start at 25. So the kind of, the reason that it is at 25 is that, again, it's a way to screen mm. everybody in a mm. cost-effective way. And also the chances of getting a cervical cancer yeah. under 25 are very, very slim. Right. So it's about looking at the... There were more false positives found mm-hmm. under 25. So people were having unnecessary treatment for cells that would have gone back to normal but obviously if you're told you've got abnormal cells you want them removed yeah so more damage was done than good but okay i i it's, it's difficult kind of 
bit loving the NHS. They saved my life working for a charity. But I was diagnosed at 24. Yeah. I understand what it's these not, people are my, talking my, my about. My problem is not with the NHS. My problem yeah. is with the government who, yes, who, who fund the NHS yeah. so poorly. Um, but um, so what can people do? So if, if I was... 20 and I really felt like I needed a smear mm. and my GP was just being like oh go away until you're 25 or whatever because under nice regulations you can bang on your GP's door as much as you want mm. and unless you've got symptoms which will mm. enable them to do diagnostic testing mm. they're going to just say piss off until you're 25 and then after that piss off for another three years basically probably in more polite terms I hope but they're a little bit polite yeah that, yeah <laughs> but so basically if someone is so it's really again important to stress that it's not a test for cancer. Yeah. It's a test to check for abnormalities that could turn into cancer. Right. So if you have symptoms... What are the symptoms? So the symptoms of cervical cancer are most common symptoms, bleeding in between periods like I was. So it can be anything from like a little bit of pinky, reddy, brown, bloody discharge to a, a, an actual bleed. It mm. can be bleeding that isn't part of your regular cycle. Again, we all bleed differently. We all... Yeah have different bleeding patterns um bleeding after sex and if you've gone through the menopause so aren't having periods anymore bleeding after the menopause like i've spoken to lots of people that say you know i'm 55 and haven't had a period for five years since gone through the menopause but i've just had this kind of random period that isn't a period Mm. once you've not had a period for 12 months or more you've gone through the menopause so anything after that is an abnormal bleed, right. not a kind of last hurrah period, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, the bleeding is the most common the most common sign. Obviously, if things get a little bit more advanced, there can be kind of pelvic pain and and things like that. But the abnormal bleeding is a sign, is an early sign of, of cervical cancer. Uh, so if somebody is under 25 and well, kind of think of it like, if you have symptoms, mm. you don't need a cervical screening test. Yeah. You need to go to a gynecologist. Yeah. So if somebody um, says, I spoke to a lady at the Eve Appeal who said her 20-year-old daughter is bleeding after sex and her GP is refusing to do a smear test. Um, I, I understand that's really frustrating, yeah. but that's not what the 20 year old needs right. she needs to go to a gynecologist who's going to do a range of tests the colposcopy have a look right. at it so if you have symptoms um even if you've had a clear cervical screening test mm-hmm. and the results were fine and then a year later when you're not even due one you bleed after sex yeah you need to go and get it checked out but it's a gp needs to refer you to a gynecologist mm-hmm. rather than carry out a, a cervical screening appointment right. cervical screening is for the well healthy cervix yeah. to check if there are any potential right changes not to diagnose a cancer yeah. and they're not gps aren't gynecologists no yeah so i think the first stop though should always be if you get those kind of symptoms if you are sexually active to go to a sexual health clinic uh go for a, an sti check and then i mean you could go to a gp as well but sounds like similar symptoms to a lot of sexually transmitted infections yeah and it's much more likely to be exactly an STI, like i was yeah. saying earlier than than a cancer so so go I to the to sti, STI check first. yeah they said no then i went to the gp and said the sti clinic have ruled out yeah i mean that's i mean obviously if you want to go straight to your gp yeah. if you know you perhaps haven't been sexually active and had a really a, you know a clear sti check and then yeah haven't slept with anybody new and then have symptoms you know of course everyone's sort of pathway and circumstances are different yeah um but yeah going ruling out an sti 
first isn't you know isn't a bad idea because it could be yeah yeah some people were messaging me where well, I did something about smears often come up in my polls and my questions on my stories mm. and somebody was messaging me saying that you can go to Mary Stopes for a smear and that you can go to your STI clinic for a smear and I was like I'm not sure that that's Mary Stopes is an abortion it's a place where you can go yeah, for termination go for so I don't know about the Mary Stopes clinics lots of sexual health centers can give a cervical screening test but talking about government cuts, mm. lots of sexual health services are having to close down that cervical screening service right. that they offer, which is just crap. Vote Labour, yeah, Jeremy it's Corbyn. Really rubbish. So, yeah. um, so, so some, it depends where you are. You go, go yeah. and ask. Some, some sexual health centres do carry them out. Some can't anymore. So yeah. it, it just okay. depends. All right. So we've got some questions. Yes. And uh, I think, I mean, obviously we've we've spoken uh we've been speaking about uh, i'm just gonna ask my sound engineer how long have we been going for so far fucking <gasps> how hell how long is this supposed to be we can go on for as long as we want as long as we want um, but yeah generally an hour or two mm. so let's just make it very clear to the listening public we're not doctors we're not gynecologists no. we're not psychiatrists we're not i mean you're kind of a vagina expert in some senses, yeah, would you I mean, say? Yeah, I my day job. So my job title at the Eve Appeal is the Cancer Information Officer. And with our gynae nurse, uh, the gynae nurse and I, Tracy, who's wonderful. She's like my work mum. I love her. Mm -hmm. uh, we run an information service called Ask Eve. So people can call or email. It's free. Yeah. Any type of gynae health query. Amazing. Um, I can answer a lot of them because I've been doing the job for a while and have kind of gone through it and I'm surrounded by gynae health and gynae cancer mm -hmm. issues and questions and situations all day every day and work with a gynae nurse but yeah like you were saying i'm not a gynae nurse i haven't been to medical yeah. school um i can help a lot but i'm not so we we are going to answer your questions as best as we can i don't think any of them are asking for any kind of diagnosis or anything yeah. so in uh, in preparation of you coming of this podcast i mm. thought I should like get myself all kind of you know knowledgeable as well. So I've, I've, I've started reading the yeah, started reading this book called Read My Lips: A Complete Guide to the Vagina and Vulva by Debbie Herbenick and Vanessa Schick. And uh, yeah, and I haven't been reading it in public uh, very often because Why I just not? you know I was going I was thinking about that because mm. I was going to bring it with me. I was going to read it on the bus, and I thought the main reason is not because I'm embarrassed yeah. in any way about being the owner of a, a vagina or vulva but more because i just know that pervy men would be like oh look at her like it says vagina it, yeah. oh yeah and it would just make them think about my vagina like literally on the way here mm. i in within the space of about three minutes there was a guy i was walking past and this guy was like hey what's your name and i would just looked at him and he went what's your name tell me your name and i was like no. i don't need to tell you my name and he was like tell me your name and as that was happening happening another guy was driving in a big white van towards me shouting all right darling give us a smile and then and then literally about oh. two seconds later another man was walking towards me like i don't know what he was saying something in a foreign language we were directed towards my breasts and um 
And then annoyingly, a really hot, beautiful, sexy man was like walking along. And out of all these fucking men that I'd encountered, he the beautiful, <laughs> sexy one was the only one who completely blanked me. Aww. But I am very conscious of, yeah. I mean, I've got big boobs and that. You do have big boobs. I do I'm have massive. Now. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it does garner attention. And I'm just hyper conscious of um, how. Um, yeah, of, of men. I'm very conscious of men. I, I get a lot of attention. That type of book, yeah. It was kind of hypersexualized how think they it, see you. Yeah, I think I'm already hypersexualized. I've got that kind of body. I've got big boobs, little waist, big hips, and I am already very sexually objectified by men. So to have a book that says So something- then to be walking around like a complete guide to vulvas and vaginas in my hand, I just feel like I'd be really inviting unwanted attention. That's really sad, shame. isn't it's really it? Shame because you should be able to have you know whatever type of body exactly and, and read whatever you want to read. But it is the world we live in. It is the world we live in. People attract certain attention, and it's not fair. Yeah, it, it, I should be able to walk down the street Stifling topless, you. topless, sti- yeah. ho- or ho- wearing a t-shirt with a picture of my vagina on it, and yeah. still be able to say "fuck you." What gives you the right to think that you Look, can ask me for anything. my name or any of that? Mm. But it is what it is, isn't it? So, uh, so yeah. So I feel much more knowledgeable about the whole the whole thing mm. because I've been reading that book. Got loads of interesting facts. But anyway, so uh, I think you're you're really the expert here. So we'll we'll, we'll lean on you rather than Debbie lean and Debbie me. and Vanessa Schnick. Debbie and Vanessa. <laughs> um, right. Anyway, so the first question says: If you've had abnormal cells removed, does it just mm. prolong getting cervical cancer, or do your chances go back to that of someone without HPV? HPV, we've said it a few times, mm. haven't we? It's human papilloma, papilloma virus. Exactly. Human papilloma virus, yeah. Right. And and so so if you've had the abnormal cells and you so you get you go for your cervical screening, they say you've got abnormal cells, we're gonna get rid of these. You mm. haven't got cancer, but we're mm. gonna get rid of the abnormal cells. Mm. Does that mean that every time that you go for your cervical screening, you are just waiting for them to come back, or is it just mm. you're back to square one? Mm. Good question. So if you have abnormal cells, they'll have also tested you for HPV. So HPV causes 99.8% of cervical cancers. And there are five different cervical cancers, is that right? There are a few. I mean, it depends. You can have like, I had a combination of, I had an adenosquamous, which is a combination between an adenocarcinoma and a squamous. It's a Right. Would be here a whole. We just cervical yeah, cancer. Just cervical okay. cancer. Yeah. Um. There are there's there are cancers that aren't HPV caused, but that's very 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 few. Mm-hmm. Um. So the majority of people with cervical cancer will have what we call high risk HPV. So HPV, as you're saying, is passed on through sexual contact. It doesn't need to be penetrative, hetero, penis, vagina, all that sort of thing. Um. So it's passed on through sexual contact and our immune system is designed to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. It's like a cold for your cervix, basically. Yeah. Um, we're me- meant to get rid of it. Sometimes when we can't, uh, it can over a long period of time develop into something that we don't want. There are over 150 different strands of HPV. So it's a kind of an umbrella mm-hmm. of viruses. And about 13 of them we call high risk. So are the ones that if you have them, could develop into a cancer mm-hmm. um the vaccine that's out at the moment prevents against 6 11 16 and 18 6 and 11 cause 90 percent of genital warts mm. which is not an uncommon you know thing to have so it protects against that and 16 and 18 um are the two strands of hpv that together cause 70 percent of cervical cancers right. so you must 
vaccinate your teenage daughters. It is so important. Anti-vaxxers are so highly responsible for really dangerous messages going out there. Yeah, um, I can't bear it when we hear... I hear on my sort of personal social media and through the Eve Appeal, people you know, having a go because we're promoting the HPV vaccine. Mm. Of course we are. So study came out uh, even a couple of weeks ago that in Scotland they're seeing already the benefits of the HPV vaccine that now this next wave of girls that were vaccinated are going for their first cervical screening and the rates and incidence of HPV is a lot lower than wow. it was prior to that. It works. Yeah. It's science. Yeah. It works. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, uh, I don't have any time for people that think it's a, a, a demon vaccine and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. It's, and you know, I've had people say, I'm not going to vaccinate my kid. I'm just going to tell her to keep her legs shut or my son to wear oh, a condom. God. That's not how life works. Yeah. That's not how life works. Um, so anyway, so if you've got a uh, cephalocarpomatia, you'll be tested for HPV as well. If you've got high risk HPV and a cervical abnormality, then it, so basically. This, but you can have HPV without having genital warts, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can have HPV and it will do nothing to you. You, you can, just don't even know you've got it. Like no, I could be walking around right now with HPV finger you give it to you neither of us have any fucking idea finger me and not give it to me right finger me and then i get it and it does nothing to me and then something happens to you Mm -hmm. finger me nothing happens to you something happens to me yeah like it's i'm not gonna finger you by the way okay just letting you fine okay (laughs) it's fine there's a table between us (laughs) try and stop me um so yes so if you have the abnormal cells if you have low-grade abnormalities Mm then you're sometimes checked up on quite soon after, like several months after, but they, because low grade abnormalities can go back to normal and tend to go back to normal on their own. So that's sin one, yeah. the low level. If it's sin two or three, so mild or severe abnormalities, then it's going to be removed because it's a little bit closer to developing into yeah. cancer. So this probably means that you also have high risk HPV mm-hmm. because it causes most of these abnormalities. If you've had the abnormal cells removed, um, it doesn't mean that the HPV is gone. It means that the abnormal the cells, cells have, have gone. gone. So it's not, if you have the abnormal cells removed, prolonging um, your diagnosis of cervical cancer because the abnormalities are gone. Mm-hmm. But there is a slight correlation between people who have had abnormalities and then go on to get cervical cancer because there's it's kind of essentially their body is a little bit more inclined to sort of hang on to the high-risk strands Mm because it's already done something to their body does that make sense it does yeah so it's not so they've got a slightly higher chance of getting cervical cancer than someone who's never had abnormal cells yeah but it doesn't mean that cervical cancer is guaranteed in their future not it's still really unlikely again really important to stress that if you've had abnormal cells had them removed it the chances of you going on to get cervical cancer are so so small yeah it's just if you've got someone next to you that's never had any you're going to abnormal be slightly cells, more. you're at a slightly increased risk but just slightly just more than someone that's never had any abnormalities okay the next question says my smear test is due next year but i'm going to be living in abu dhabi i have previously had abnormal cells but i don't know the system over there or whether i trust it completely can i get an early test in the uk for this reason so probably not on the nhs 
I was thinking that. Yeah. I think she's going to need to go private. Yeah, talk to your GP. Like, not... There are guidelines in place, mm-hmm. but different CCGs, different areas... Yeah. do sometimes work slightly it's a postcode lottery isn't it and it I, is sometimes I mean, my gp yeah. is amazing my mm. gp is amazing my and gp is amazing i'm pretty sure yeah. that if i went to them and said that they would probably do it yeah. um but i also we know that other people's that. other people's probably would say mm. no yeah. so it is i mean if you're really that worried about it go and pay privately yeah um, so the chances are i mean obviously if you're because you've had abnormal cells um if you're due to be monitored more closely yeah then they might allow you to have an appointment a bit sooner but if you're all clear from the abnormal cells everything's all good and you're kind of just due your next one within the three-year gap Mm. i doubt they would do it significantly sooner because you're moving away it's always worth the conversation yeah but it sounds like it wouldn't be something available on the nhs yeah because it's outside of the screening program yeah makes sense all right. The next question says, can you discuss the whole smear test process? And actually, it sort of fits in with uh, another, somebody else wrote and said, I had vaginismus, which uh, if you want more information on vaginismus, listen to my podcast with the sex doctor, Karen Gurney. Oh, I love Karen. She's amazing. Karen? Yeah, she's Hi, brilliant. Um, where we talk about it, vaginismus, also known as, I think it's genitopelvic pain, disorder um is basically where it's often come as a result of either sexual abuse or trauma or bad experience first time with sex or you know something's kind of gone a bit wrong down there um and your brain associates um sexual contact and sex or anything going on around your vagina vagina, with pain and it really tenses up Mm -hmm. and i mean it's terribly painful and, and quite debilitating for a lot of women um there's also something called vulvodynia which causes a lot of pain in the vulva um and it's not identified as to why so some women have vaginismus some have vulvodynia um and so medical procedures down there are 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 kind of extra difficult Mm. for for those Mm. women because it's either going to cause them pain if they've Mm. got vulvodynia or it's imagined pain and very very tense Mm. if if they've got vaginismus kind of allow the examination the vagina sort of just contracts exactly um so and and this woman who wrote to me was saying that she has a tendency to pass out during smear tests so during her previous smear she's actually fainted like and and has felt really embarrassed Mm. by that because she's got no fucking knickers on legs up on someone's shoulder you know um she says i've also got a small vagina so i tell them to use the small speculums but yet they still tell me i'll be fine with an old style metal one and don't believe that i'll pass out it makes my experience so much more traumatic than it needs to be how do you get nurses to listen to your individual needs and be sensitive to them so let's go through the smear test process Mm. and then we'll talk about how important it is for nurse to talk to nurses in more specialized situations so when you go for your cervical screening appointment you'll get a letter and you the letters worded i don't think very well it kind of of course you can choose what to do with your body and no one has to go for a cervical screening but i think the letter makes it sound a little bit too optional right i think that's just my opinion Mm -hmm. um so you'll go in and you can have somebody with you if you need a bit of extra support you can take a friend or family member in with you (laughs) yeah i can't imagine who i'd who would you take well i don't know because i'm just first of all i was sitting there thinking i i I would, would be so fucking embarrassed but yet 
like I'll have little like fucking Jason from you know yeah (laughs) come look at my funny but then the thought of anybody else like even though I've been fisted by midwives and all of that kind of stuff yeah yeah, I'm still a bit like a little bit Although I'm totally naked at the gym and I walk around, but I don't quite like, I still film. That's different to having your legs up and open and kind of heels back to your bum, isn't it? That's very true. Yeah. So, sometimes women will chat to me, like they'll put their leg up on the bench at the gym and they'll like, you know, like have a good old rub. They'll have their big bush out and they're just chatting to me and I don't know where to look. And they're like flossing with a towel, you know, between <laughs> their bums and their, yeah, and, I'm like, crap. and I'm like, love fannies, love women, but I'm not quite there yet. Like be, here I am. Yeah. I'm not there yet. Here's my arsehole. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'll get there. Yeah. Try. Why don't you practice? Yeah. Why don't you floss in front of people? <laughs> Maybe stop. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So you're saying you can bring someone with you yeah, if that you makes you feel with better. You if you want to. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, most people don't, but you yeah. know, if you want extra support, you can. So you'll have to remove everything from the waist down. So it's a good idea if you want to to wear something like a skirt because you can take like tights and knickers off and then just have the kind of skirt hitched up around your waist. Yeah. You'll go onto the couch, hop up onto the couch, and you'll have to sort of seat your bum. Um, it depends on what style of couch they've got, but basically they need to be able to have your legs kind of up and open so that they can put the speculum in easily. Mm -hmm. So if it's more of a sort of gyny style couch, you'll probably scooch your bum to the front of the couch. Um, if it's a bench, a doctor's bench, then you'll kind of have your legs sort of together, but then sort of let your knees sort of fall apart at the sides, if that makes sense. Um, and you'll be given a sheet to put over your lap and then the person doing the cervical screen it's often a nurse at a gp surgery um will get the speculum now it i've the question about it being a metal mm. speculum and them saying oh you'll be fine with the old-fashioned metal one i feel like this person needs to go somewhere else mm. for their test because i maybe i'm being a bit naive but i've had lots of these examinations never once had a metal i have have you yeah how recently i don't know i haven't my smear test is probably due actually i don't remember when my last one was probably a couple of years ago Mm. um i've definitely had it for sti checks yeah the the metal one but i don't know how i feel like it should so most places are using the plastic ones Mm -hmm. that come in kind of um you know the packaging take it out it's a plastic speculum i didn't know people were still using metal mm. ones i've not heard anyone recently say yeah that they've had a metal she one. might be like my age and be like and not had one for a little while yeah um it should be a plastic one now yeah um but either way it's quite cold yeah and uncomfortable they put like a lube on it don't yeah, they they can put lube on the side so if they put it on the very end of the speculum it can sometimes interfere with the sample mm-hmm. but you can put lube on the sides of it so that it kind of glides into the vagina yeah. a little bit more easily um and there are different sizes. So if you do have a small vagina or have a condition that means you're kind of extra tense and tight, you can ask obviously for the smallest one. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends on how your body is built. Yeah. And then the speculum will be put into the, the vagina and then it kind of looks like a duck's beak. Yeah. And then with the little handles that obviously aren't in the vagina because it's just the sort of beak part, they it will be opened up slightly Mm-hmm. So the beak is sort of open and then if you imagine sort of looking through it, you can see the cervix at the end because it's sort of opened up and it's holding the vagina open basically. Yeah. Um, and then a little plastic brush. It's not it's not painful. It's very sort of soft, soft bristles. Bristles is an awful word, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. um, it's used to put through the speculum so you can get to the cervix and 
it sort of sweeps the surface of the cervix to collect a sample of cells. They're put into a little pot and sent away for testing. And then you're hopefully asked to get dressed unless you want to mm-hmm. walk around without your knickers on. You can kind of feel it. it does It doesn't hurt, but it does feel a bit yeah. scrapey. Yeah. It's not... It doesn't, no, um, and but it, it's so quick. And I think the thing that I is difficult about it is that kind of exposed feeling, mm. like you are literally it does feel under weird. bright yeah. lights yeah. Uh, in this horrible position with your vagina, vulva, just like, woohoo. Exactly, it's a medical, not sexual But we situation. have to remember that the woman who is doing it, or the man, mm. but usually a woman, it tends to, I've yeah. never had a man do it, doing a smear. They have probably seen five vaginas already that day mm-hmm. they've probably done a hundred smears that week they don't care mm. what yours looks like they don't no. care if you've shaved they don't even care if you've got a bit of tissue stuck to your bum hole no, where you went to the toilet earlier and didn't have a chance they don't to care wash if you're not having a great day smell wise they, they don't they care they don't care they just want to take their purpose when you're going in there is to take a good sample yeah. of cells that is their job yeah um i think yeah they're i mean it it doesn't hurt as a rule. No. It can hurt for some people. Yeah. Um. So I think it's important to kind of not dismiss people that might be in pain or find it really difficult. Mm-hmm. And you know there are loads of reasons why people might not even be going for their appointment, which we probably don't have time to go into. But you know people that mm. might have learning difficulties and not understand the letter and yeah. might miss it or think like so many people I've spoken to who are gay are told because they're a gay woman, so basically don't have sex with the penis that they don't need to go mm. because HPV's only passed on through like penile penetrative sex which yeah. is, isn't true yeah so um you know like cultural and religious barriers can stop people having someone else examine them and yeah so there's a whole like trauma rape fgm there's so many fucking reasons yeah. why people aren't going um but if you are able to go and yeah. should be going um it it doesn't tend to hurt but as you're saying it's not pleasant yeah it's it is a bit uncomfortable it feels weird yeah yeah i i think what i would say is that if you do have um as this woman said how do i make sure that somebody's more sensitive with me yeah. i would um see if you can talk to them in advance of mm-hmm. the appointment book a double appointment yeah. if you can mm-hmm. so that you've got a bit more time and it doesn't feel like too much rush, pressure yeah. and and be open and real with that person mm-hmm. again they are this is their job they've seen it a billion times mm-hmm. whatever you've got they've seen it and you're never 20 be the times first person to bring something to the table no no like, and and actually if you can find some way of conveying to them i've been through a trauma i've been i've survived rape i have vaginismus i have vulvodynia Mm. i need you to take this or you know it's my first smear i'm really nervous please be gentle with me and actually if they're not being you have the right to say i want to stop and i'd like to book an appointment with somebody else you don't have to go through with it if you feel that appointment isn't going well you don't feel safe or comfortable um there obviously is in a very small percentage of cases most are fine but if you don't feel happy or safe Mm -hmm. you you can stop you don't have to go through with it just because you've been undressed and someone's about to take a sample you don't have to go through with it um yeah booking a double appointment if that's possible is a good idea again having someone with you um asking for the smaller speculum you can also ask to guide the speculum in yourself so if you've gone through something that means you feel kind of out of control and it's a bit of ptsd having someone else do that 
to you you can they'll obviously need to sort of prep everything but you can essentially put the speculum in yourself they can help guide to make sure you're doing it properly yeah but it doesn't have to be a case for people that have obviously gone through um rape trauma abuse that someone else is doing this to you yeah you can try and take a little bit of control control. Yeah. yeah so it's yeah it's really hard for for some people for most it isn't and mm. we should be going but yeah there are some ways around certain issues like smaller speculum um booking a double appointment having someone with you putting it in yourself there are yeah there are some ways to cope with some of the issues yeah yeah um yeah talk communicate yeah uh, if you can Right, the next question says, can you please talk about pages on Instagram that promote Yoni Detox for purging the vagina? Do they work and do we need to cleanse internally? Don't get me started oh, on this. Me too. Absolute. It's like, should we do a silent high five? I know. We can do oh a loud my, one. Yeah. Can, can we? Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, oh my God. So this fucking wrong. Industry, I, I can't. My blood is boiling. Yeah. It's so exploitative. I love how I've spoken about having cancer and this is the thing that's getting me going. (laughs) It is exploitative. It's shame in a bottle. Yeah. Or in a pearl or whatever it is that they're selling you. Your vagina cleans itself. Yeah. It's a self-cleaning part of the body. All you need to do at the most is kind of when you're having a shower, you don't even need to sort of douche internally with water. Just maybe Never. No, just maybe between your legs, like slap a bit of water around when you're washing yourself. Yep. You don't need any soap, shower gel. Clean your bum hole. See, this is the thing is that actually I do think your bum needs more than water. I think your bum needs like soap or shower gel or whatever. There or something. Definitely clean your asshole. But try. you don't really need all that perfumed soap around your vulva and no, your labia. It can actually upset the pH balance. It can, and it can and cause it thrush can cause and BV. Exactly, it can cause thrush. It can make, it can cause itching, skin irritation. And it is an industry that is making people with vulvas ashamed to have a non-rose-scented smell. Exactly. Or that they are not, you know, there's ridiculous things. There are things like, masks for your vulva <laughs> like rejuvenating masks for your vulva you don't need them it looks see i I, I exfoliate mm. because i remove hair mm. so i exfoliate down there not inside mm. but on the skin around just but i don't it's part of your hair care just part yeah. of there to stop getting ingrown hairs mm. and things like that but that is literally as far as i yeah. will go but i've heard people putting the i looked up the yoni thing when you sent me the yeah. questions and it's these sort of bags of herby pearly yeah. things that people put up them You're for like two to, or three days yeah do you know how dangerous that is that's not a thing that will cause toxic shock syndrome and there were all these pictures that people put online of like this came out after my purge and it's like these disgusting pictures of what looks like bald mice covered in blood like and it's like this is what got rid of my vagina no this is your vagina reacting mm. badly yeah. to these bags of herbs that you have put in there for three days it's highly likely to cause toxic shock syndrome like your vagina and your cervix and your uterus and all of those things they are fine on their own they look after themselves they look yeah. after themselves they are totally fine and they're totally happy mm. and unless they tell you that they're not mm. like and this is what 
what you were saying. As women, we really need to get to know ourselves. We need to get to know our discharge, mm. which will change throughout the month. It does. And when sometimes you're ovulating. It Do you know what I mean? Sometimes it, your discharge is sticky and smells like vinegar and it happens. Yeah, and like, sometimes if you have been on your period, you smell a bit funny or whatever. All of that is fucking normal. Mm-hmm. And you, but you need to get to know what your normal mm-hmm. is. Exactly. And why, oh, is my discharge changed? Is it just because I'm ovulating? Yeah. Um get to know that and then if it starkly changes then you go and see medical exactly. seek medical advice how do you know if something changes if you don't know what it's changed from exactly yeah. but these companies that are selling these products and exploiting it's awful women's insecurities is horrible like the women's vaginas vulvas all of that look after themselves yes you can get infections yes you can get cancer but that is nothing that any of these products will be able to stop no, no. um so athena lamnosos the ceo of the eva Peel, actually wrote a really great article earlier this week uh, it's in the independent and if you've just basically put athena lamnosos eva Peel, independent or whatever mm. it is the article will come up it's fantastic it's about the feminine hygiene industry and how it's shaming people mm. and they're then using these products that are masking potential symptoms that could tend to something serious yeah it's a, it's a really good piece to read and it's in response to these ridiculous things on the market it is fucking awful i i used a a yoni steam thing before somebody i've written a blog about it mm. actually and how i how i it's not you don't put anything inside mm. your vagina you just boil these fucking herbs do you sort of squat over it mate on 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 the <laughs> on the on the thing it was like so I started boiling up. I didn't read the whole thing through properly because I'm a bit like that. I'm a bit like haphazard, just fucking just roll through it. life, yeah. hoping for the best. So I um, started boiling up these herbs and I thought, this is cool. I, well, it's did not going to go inside me. Did come with the herbs or did you have to like go and buy a herb garden? No, no, it came with oh, them. Right, okay. came with them. And then so I boiled them up and you have to like boil them for 24 hours. And, you know, if people come around, they're like, what are you boiling? I'm like, oh, vag herbs. My, my vag same. <laughs> do you want, do you want a cuppa? Um, and, and then it's like, now get your slatted stool. Oh, no, I haven't got a slatted stool. Who's got What's a slatted stool? Like a stool with wooden slats. So like your vulva can sort of poke through. So that you can sit above it and put the steaming bowl like of... Like how you steam broccoli yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, like a steaming thing. <laughs> yeah. But you sit over them on your slatted stool with the... Which we all have. Yeah, well I didn't have one. So I was like, well what am I going to do? Luckily I go to the gym a lot. So I was able to squat over this bowl of boiling herbs... And My I thought, thighs well, wouldn't allow me to do that. I'd have fallen into the pot. See, I do a lot of squats with you big do. weights, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite good at that kind of stuff. Luckily, but it was very uncomfortable, and then I had to have a towel around because I realised, well, actually, I'm just squatting over a pan and. <laughs> So I put a towel around it to make what sure that all the... I was in my bedroom. Okay. And I just thought, God, I, really, I was very paranoid that people could see me or Imagine whatever. in the kitchen. <laughs> and it wasn't very relaxing. Like, I felt like the only benefit of this would be that I'm really taking care of my fanny. Like, it was quite, It was a kind of like, if I hadn't been squatting for, to, for fucking 20 minutes, like, nearly dying, then occasionally going down on my knees and thinking, oh, I'm too old for this, like, <laughs> my, and my knees are hurting on the floor, like, you know, it might have been quite a pleasant, like, just... It might have felt quite relaxed. Quite, and quite, you know, in touch yeah. with my fanny, but actually... But it would have had no health benefits for you. I don't think it did anything to me. No. My... my cleansing yeah. of, of my yoni to sum up that vaginas and vulvas 
clean, take care of themselves, don't use any of these ridiculous products. You are way more likely to cause yourself problems mm-hmm. and to make your vagina smell and give yourself a weird discharge if you use those than if you don't. And actually, I read something uh, that a doctor had written which says the vagina makes excess discharge when there is either an irritation an infection or an absence of good bacteria and this discharge isn't some toxic swill that the vagina was hiding that only the pearls could release mm. it's a sign that these pearls are damaging yeah, it's so if you've used those pearls itself, exactly, exactly you've yeah. used those pearls and suddenly all this shit comes out of your vagina it's not this that it's being detoxed is that those pearls have caused extra discharge mm. It's trying to get rid of all the stuff that's in the pearls and get it out to look after you. Exactly. And it's the same with FemFresh and things like that. Like I I was saying on my stories the other day, we don't see dick fresh in men's bathrooms. Mm -hmm. They they are not exploited in the same way that we are. Like, why should we be made to be these perfect fresh little men actually well, yeah. and it's not your vagina is not for men, by the way, and obviously lots of people sleep with women as well. But they they want it to smell like a vagina a vagina is actually got lots of pheromones in it mm. and where we might think oh that's a bit of a musty smell or a vagina smell that is actually a real turn on doesn't need to smell like a mango doesn't mm. need to smell like fucking roses Strawberries, yeah. needs to smell like a vagina natural smell is sexy it is yeah. all right good i'm glad we agree on that one mm-hmm. so the next uh, topic says can your inner lips stretch over time for example if you pull them to shave or dry yourself so your labia menorah. Yeah, on the inside. So yeah. your vulva. See, I, call, I I am guilty. I'm one of these people who has just for years just been like vagina. And to mm. me, vagina is the whole Everything. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's easier. Yeah. It's a more common word. We're more used to it. Yeah. So, but I guess I, I completely understand. Like it's, if it's, before working with Eva Peel, I would yeah. say vagina. Um, but because they are separate parts of the body and that, you know, from an Eva Peel gynae cancer perspective, they have different symptoms for the different cancers. So we try and really kind of push with our work for correct anatomical terms. I was going to say, because Eva Peel are really keen with the Get Lippy campaign yeah. to make sure that we are giving things the right terms and that we're all really comfortable with it. Mm. Because the more comfortable you are with vulva, labia, clitoris, vagina, discharge all of these words the easier it is to go to your gp or to say to a friend i've got this weird discharge do you mm-hmm. think i you know i've got this lump in my labia yeah. that sort of thing yeah. yeah so the get lippy campaign is throughout may and it's um from a fundraising perspective lots of brands are donating a percentage of their lip products to us but from an awareness point of view which is kind of the side i work on it's about getting lippy yeah. like talking about these issues we've got yeah. great ambassadors great campaign um obviously keep keep in touch with us and keep checking it out but yeah it's about knowing the correct parts of your body during kind of sex and fun chat or whatever like i call my vulva my pussy during sex that's fine but it's important you can call it whatever you want but you also at the same breath need to know the correct term so that if something from a medical perspective goes wrong you can go to the doctor and have that proper conversation yeah there's a lump a lump where Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean so you can still have fun with words but also know the proper terms yeah and i think it's really important that we ch- teach our children the yeah. proper terms i think it's so Winky and pansy and foofy and i think i've spoken about this before on the podcast from a safeguarding perspective it is really unhelpful we need to give our children the language first of all we need to make them unashamed of it do not make your daughters ashamed of their vaginas we need them to know it's a private part in the sense that we need to know who is allowed to mm-hmm. touch it or see it um and what is safe touch and good touch and bad mm-hmm. touch and all of that kind of stuff needs to be really 
conveyed to them, but they really need to know what it is yeah. and, and the what fact the functions that they have are. One isn't shameful. No, no, and where your we comes from is somewhere yeah. different. You know, educating children is going to keep them safer mm-hmm. than going. Oh, that's your nunny. Leave it alone. Don't yeah. show it to no, anyone. No, no, no. Keep that yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Um, Athena, who I mentioned earlier, the CEO of the Evapil, when she did one of her first talks as CEO, she uh, was in a room of people and. Uh, someone I can't I can't believe this is a thing but apparently it's it's not that uncommon and um, someone in the audience said yeah it's really annoying how when I go for a wee I have to change my tampon so she thought it was the same hole oh, and this wow. is like an adult woman yeah and it's not I think from surveys we've done that uncommon that people because if you don't look no and I and I didn't do that until I was I think in my early 20s mm. that uh, you know the, it's so different with penis yeah. because it's, it's there, just it's your dick out. is yeah. there you it's just in your face yeah and it's just you know what it does you know what it looks like you know where everything comes from dick and balls Boom. fruit basket in your that's face that's it yeah whereas a lot of us have only seen ourselves from the front until you actually spread open your legs and get, get a, a mirror, mirror and everyone should do it and everyone should keep doing it yeah don't just look at your vagina once or your vulva when you're 20 and then never go back mm. keep looking at it and get to know her mm-hmm. like in a in a really loving way because i think sometimes it's quite shocking when mm. people first yeah. look in the mirror i've I heard lots of women say they were really shocked from sort of front on and compared to underneath it it's completely different, different. yeah, yeah. It looks really different. and i think a lot of people from porn particularly expect these kind of prepubescent looking vulvas mm. you know we all see we all know if you change the baby girl's nappy all the little children's vulvas look the same mm-hmm. very closed and kind of puffy and neat yeah. exactly like a baby. exactly yeah. how they look in porn which is really fucking scary that um in in western culture mm. what men want is prepubescent looking vulvas um so so i think a lot of people just expect that that's what they everybody's is going to look mm. like and then they look at themselves and they're faced with oh my labia is hanging down a longer bit, labia yeah. one side coming out the other side Darker tucked other, in yeah some look quite wrinkled looking which mm. is actually elastin it's nothing to do mm. with wear or tear uh or or aging or mm-hmm, anything like mm-hmm. that um some look very puffy some are sort of split apart yep. some have some very menorahs hang lower than the majora yeah to look like everybody so is different. different some it's people so have different. clits that are really big and you can see them some you can't see the clitoris at all yeah um it's so, actually beautiful so diff- how yes. varied they are but you won't know what you look like unless you look and also from like again my sort of eve hat if you look at your vulva in a mirror touch yourself get to know what your skin is like what you feel like then you can check for changes exactly a lump in the labia is a sign of vulval cancer again it's more likely to be something else yeah and not a vulval cancer or anything serious but how are you supposed to know if you don't don't check it's so important to know your own body um so the question about um will can they stretch over time if you pull them to shave because i i yeah sometimes you do have to kind of like pull them apart pull them apart get the little hairs out so they so they shouldn't do they can sort of stretch a little bit over time because if you get older and once you've gone through the menopause and you your estrogen levels drop that's kind of what keeps the skin sort of plump and yeah full so yeah the skin can get a little bit thinner and more wrinkly over time and, and might look a little bit more stretched out and mm. um, but that's because the estrogen levels have gone that's not because you've been shaving and drying i don't think pulling it just a little bit every now and then when you're shaving no. is going to cause no. 
any problems. No. But I read this uh, article about um, labia stretching. And so labia can come in a variety of different uh, sizes. My vagina book told me. So some people have labia menorahs, which are really small, like one millimeter or one centimeter, half yeah. a centimeter uh, in length, uh, up to, right up to 12 centimeters. Wow. Um, and width, some people are like 0.5 centimeters wide and some 10 centimeters wide. So it's such a massive variation. Um, and it's only in, in Western culture, it seems, that the kind of prepubescent vulva is mm. is what's desired in many other countries particularly african cultures one such is the baganda practice uh, of labial elongation so they actually find longer labia more, more attractive wow. now it is a form of some people might call it uh, female genital mutilation but actually i think with with vagina stretching they call it more female genital modification mm. rather than mutilation because actually the purpose of it is apparently to give the women more sexual pleasure not less um so in some places around the world they find the longer the labia the better and so when women reach sexual maturity they actually purposely to put weights on out. them wow. to stretch them out because men find it more attractive apparently but also it increases sexual pleasure uh, for women so so it's uh it's not i hate the fact that it's for the men partly i know i hate that i know i know it is shit. It's the world we live in. So, so, so yes, I mean, no, I'm not, I'm not saying, yeah. I'm not saying that you should go out there and stretch out your labia. Um, you should make no fucking changes to it whatsoever no. because what you are born with is beautiful. Yeah. It is beautiful. It doesn't need to look a certain There's way. There's no one prescriptive looking vulva. Um, but yeah, no. So over time, as estrogen levels drop, it might look a little bit different. It will get old, just like men's balls yeah. will get saggy. Yeah, and that's yeah, that. Exactly. But um, shaving and drying, carry on doing what you're doing. Yeah. As, I mean, if you want to stretch them out, there is labial stretching. Clearly, <laughs> I don't see why you would want to. Also, don't see why you would want or need to get um, labioplasty. I think there's lots of women who develop really. Um, they become very self-conscious and it becomes a real part of their identity mm. really I guess and especially lots of abusive men um, use labia shaming as a way to control yeah, their partners absolutely. I've heard so many women who have been cussed by their partners told that their vaginas are ugly that wow. they're loose or that their labia are disgusting or ugly and what you have to know is the only reason that he would a man would ever say that to you or, or a, a partner you know could be a, a gay partner as well the only reason someone would ever say that to you is because they think it's beautiful and they're terrified that you're going to leave, leave and you're going to show that to somebody, yeah, to else. somebody else and they're trying to trap you exactly. in this narcissistic bubble so that you're frightened yeah. to ever have sex with anyone anybody else will exactly. ever enjoy it or love it yeah. or think it's gorgeous yeah, yeah exactly so and and i mean who would ever do it it's like Never ever listen to somebody who shames your labia or your vulva because they are clearly. It comes from them, not oh, a problem 100%, with you. hundred percent. No, a hundred percent. No. Um, and and you know, people who are sexually active would have seen such a range of it. Like, yeah. and put porn is yet yeah, we we have unrealistic expectations from porn, but not all porn either. Because I said that, and somebody sent me. There's a and question about porn. Yeah, there, there is, yeah. which says, does porn give us unrealistic views of vulvas? And sometimes, but not all the time. A lot of porn gets, uh, they'll Photoshop mm. um, the the vulvas, but there is also, I don't know what her name is, but there is a massive uh, porn star who's really famous. Oh, God, I don't know what her name is, but anyway, 
somebody sent me a link to her stuff if mm. you put in google image i mean she has got the longest labia yeah. i've ever seen in a photograph and she is so popular never out of work her, yeah. her vulva doesn't look what you i have seen in typical porn it just looks like a real vulva mm. she's got really big lips and uh yeah she's hugely popular mm. for that yeah. because it's a real turn on yeah but i mean your labia does not exist to turn on other people no. but obviously the vagina is a sexual organ it is there for our pleasure so um so we want to feel good and confident about good it and confident and sexy within yourself yeah. yeah i think some porn does give unrealistic yeah expectations to people i think it's more um i think it's more about the i hate to say it's like the guys watching the porn yeah that i think i think not even necessarily the vulvas but even sort of like the type of sex and what's going to be going on yeah. and expectations sort of physical and mm. you know what they're actually doing like mm. like not everyone can deep throat yeah do you know what i mean not everyone can do that i think porn gives an unrealistic view in general is yeah. what you're saying not just of the vulva yes, but of everything that I'm we saying. can do yeah 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 like some people can't deep throat yeah some people can't some people don't have bleached assholes some people don't have a 10 inch dick like it's yeah porn is kind of unrealistic overall not porn is like this gut. beautiful sex with beautiful people yeah. doing things that really mainly serve men in mainstream mm. porn yeah. um and we shouldn't look to it to be like oh this is what i should be doing this is how i should look like that's not real sex if you watch porn if you enjoy it don't watch it to get an idea of how you should look or be or act so only watch it for your pleasure if you want to not to compare yourself and find vaginas and vulvas that look like yours Mm. if you can turn it off if you don't like what you're seeing turn it off if it makes you feel shit don't don't watch it um the next question says, my cousin has had vulva cancer three times. What are the chances of me getting it? So it is in no way hereditary. Right. So as much as it would the next person, if that makes sense. So is cervical cancer hereditary? No. So if your mum had it, you haven't got no, any. It's so all related to HPV. All, yeah, it? so it's not, it's not hereditary. So cervical, vaginal and vulval cancers are not at all hereditary. Um, so there are five gynae cancers. I can't believe we haven't even listed them yet. <laughs> so there's cervical, vaginal, vulval, ovarian, and womb. Mm-hmm. Um, about 20, 15 to 20% of ovarian cancers and even less womb cancers are linked to hereditary conditions. Um, but cervical, vaginal, and vulval are not. So um, keeping the question in mind, if someone's cousin has had vulval cancer, that won't affect the person asking the questions chances of developing it do you know i didn't even know that there was vulva cancer mm. that is really shameful mm. i think that i didn't no, know it's that not shameful if you but haven't w- needed to know this is the thing like i would love it of course i would because of my job and what we do at eve i would love it if every person with a vulva vagina etc knew the symptoms for the parts of the body they could get cancer in yeah. i would love that but we're busy we work in different worlds different professions we don't have time to learn about the signs and symptoms of every place you can get cancer mm. do you know what i mean we, do, we don't yeah i didn't know anything about my gynecological health until i was diagnosed with cervical cancer all i knew before my diagnosis was that blood came out and a penis went in mm. that's it yeah do you know what i mean so it's only because i've been thrown into that world yeah that i know more like don't 
don't worry at all. No, but it's interesting. I never even thought about it. I mm. never even thought that you could get, you know, I know about you know testicular cancer, yeah. Yeah. but never thought about the vul- vulval yeah, cancer. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So the symptoms... If I found a lump there, I would think it was an ingrown hair or yeah. something. And it most likely is. Yeah. Yeah. So symptoms of vulval cancer are lumps and bumps kind of around the labia and skin changes. So kind of sort of raised or angry looking areas of skin. Again, much more likely to be some sort of infection mm-hmm. or ingrown hair or, you know, a little cyst or something. Yeah. Um, but they are the signs. Yeah. So uh, vulval cancer, not at all hereditary. Okay. Um, the next question says, my clit is really small and hidden and buried. So I find it really hard to have a clitoral orgasm. Any advice? This is a difficult one for me because I can answer loads of gynae cancer questions, but <laughs> sex questions... I I honestly don't know. I'm not too great much at about, sex no. questions. I mean, I I'm know like that a the fucking clitoris virgin. is like a wishbone. Yes, do you know what I mean? So yeah. like, it's not this little like we were saying earlier, little tiny button on the outside that that's it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a wishbone that kind of goes up and around so, internally. So when you say that, I think people need to. I think again, this is something I only learned in the last year or something. So the the, the clitoris, if you imagine like a wishbone, you know, like what what, what you pull out of a chicken, mm. and you Merry pull, Christmas, yeah, <laughs> and you pull the two it's like a superstition isn't it mm. that somebody holds one side mm. of the wishbone so it's like a uh the the bit at the top which we all know is the clit and then there's two side bits that almost like little full of nerve endings yeah, yeah that come down across like either side of your labia mm. so actually, internally internally yeah. Yeah. yeah you can't see it yeah. but that's the nerve endings of your clit are kind of it's really difficult to describe i don't think i'm describing it correctly on the outside is only the tip of the clitoris and yeah, there's kind of sort of arms or legs or wishbone bits so you going can, inside that's so, quite long. Yeah, tugging the labia and stimulating the labia can actually stimulate the clitoris as well. So don't just, I think, talk to your partners about it. If you've mm. got this really small clit and you know that it's really difficult to access, mm. then I would communicate with partners. Yeah. Um, go and explore different toys. Go yes. to a sex shop and talk to the people working there. Yeah, that's um, a good idea. Ask advice from, like sex writers or bloggers on the internet on not Instagram. me though don't ask me <laughs> no. <laughs> no, do you know what i did a poll the other day i was um i do these polls but people submit their own topics yeah. and and one of the uh, questions was do you orgasm more easily when you masturbate lying no or do you masturbate lying on your back or your front mm. and i was like what People masturbate on your front, laying on your front. And I was like, I'm going to try this. And then nearly died because I was like, had my face in the pillow, suffocating, dead fucking hand, like (laughs) literally laying there like, what the fuck's everyone going on about? Like turned around. I was just like, what? what, what?" Anyway, obviously it works for some people because there was quite a lot of people that were like, yeah, front. So perhaps that's something for you, you know, legs wider open or legs more tightly shut on your front, on your back. Play around. Yeah. Yeah. Toys, the magic know. wand is quite a good toy people a swear one, by it, it yeah. very popular yeah um but yeah play around you will be able to have a clitoral orgasm that is what the clit was designed for for orgasms i think it's a very 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 tiny percentage of people that are not able to orgasm at all um but uh the clit is purely there for sexual pleasure mm. so experiment play use the bits around enjoy yourself enjoy and mm. also don't always think that sex has to end in orgasm mm. or that ple- pleasure is pleasure mm. and if um, you enjoy something it doesn't matter if you haven't screened the house yeah down. or if there's yeah. no climax mm. if you're just getting pleasure from even you know your thigh being rubbed or your nipple being played with or whatever yeah. the pleasure is pleasure pleasure is pleasure yeah yeah 
Um, all right, so we'll just have one last question, mm-hmm. which says, is there really a way to tighten the vagina? Do exercises really work? So the vagina kind of, again, going back to sort of looks after itself, it tends to bounce back sounds very rapid and wonderful. But you know what I mean? It tends to kind of look after itself in terms of elasticity and tightness and things like that. I guess if there's been sort of damage after childbirth or something, then that's something a bit more serious than if you just had kind of like a big sex session with a huge dick or something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But um, I mean, pelvic floor exercises are good for, I mean, it's kind of just good for your pelvic floor. And that's even things like, you know, helping you with Oh, I'm doing problems. them right now. I'm doing actually. them right yeah, now. Do we, <laughs> both, do we both just start clenching? Yeah, I just as, as soon as it. you started talking about it, I was just like, right, here we as go. As soon as anyone ever says pelvic floor, don't you instantly start doing it? Well, we do them. Oh, we do mass pelvic floors on my Instagram lives, which I do every Sunday at around nine that. o'clock yeah. UK time, and we always put on like a, a, a banging house track, and um, we do mass. We call them push ups. Push ups. I didn't invent that. I wish I had. Stop I, it. I know. That's the best thing. I'm so glad <laughs> I came here to talk to you. That's what I'm telling taking away puss ups, ups. Um, so, so it's kegel time or pelvic floor yeah. time and we all do our pelvic floors together because mm. they are really important and they do work they not, do work, not strictly yeah. to tighten the vagina but that is a kind of side effect yeah. of it but that your pelvic floor is is like a it's like a hammock mm. that holds everything I think it goes from kind of like bum to all the way. Yeah, yeah. it's like it holds your bladder and your Mm. uterus and all of those things. And it's a muscle and it Mm. has to be tightened in order to hold all of those things together. You have to strengthen your muscles. You have to, yeah. Because otherwise, we, you know, people who've had children will probably identify already with the whole, you know, jumping on a trampoline and a bit of wee coming out and laughing. You have like prolapses. Exactly. So so strengthening your pelvic floor. So there's lots of apps that you can get if you just put pelvic floor Mm. app or Kegels app and they'll give you a reminder every day to do your pelvic floor exercises. But there's also things that you can get, little weights and uh, balls and stuff. There's also something that I, yeah, that I recommend, the PFE Perfect Tens machine. They're not paying me but i think it's such a, a great thing i i used it um and it's fucking fantastic it really does tighten your vagina almost a bit too much i have to say <laughs> um but uh but yeah so the exercises do really work and you should do them just in the same way that glute exercises or chest exercises or whatever they yeah. work the body as a whole yeah you have to work and exercise and look after each yeah. part of the body do your puss-ups yeah. um puss-ups <laughs> <laughs> So I'm I'm gonna call it a day now. We do have a couple of questions left, but I think we've pretty much covered everything. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, I I feel so much more knowledgeable about do all you? of this. Yeah, and I you know I I am so in awe of you really that you took such a drastic traumatic thing that happened in your life and you have made it into not only your career but something that is really going to save the lives of other women Um, yeah one of the best feelings in the world which is kind of it's so selfish but like after a stand-up gig or something when someone comes up to me and says oh I'm going to book that appointment yeah it is the best feeling in the world that's amazing that's amazing so I mean you should I hope this doesn't sound patronising, but like you should be so proud of yourself. Oh, you, you, you really are. You're an amazing advocate for for you know for the Eve appeal and for women who have been through this or gone mm. through this or who want to know more. You are just you you are brilliant. Um, I think and, you're brilliant. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I just want people to know their bodies, 
look after themselves, be vocal if they think something isn't right. Like contact the Ask Eve service, or, you know, you can find yeah. us on the website if you've got a question. We've just got like platforms like this. You've got so many followers. Yeah. It's brilliant. We're going to reach more like people. And they're like 96% women. Yeah. So, so follow at Eve Appeal, um, E-V-E-A-P-P-E-A-L on Instagram and share this and let your teenage daughters listen to this. Yeah. Or even if you don't let them listen to it because we're like, fucking yeah, fucking is. Oh, I am. They'll, they'll be I hearing am, that. I've tried to watch my language a little bit, but I've, I've let myself. I had a bit of fun. But have yet yeah, let your teenage daughters listen to it, or if you don't want to listen to it, write down the bullet points and the most important bits, and have conversations with them. Share it with women you know and nieces mm. and whoever, because it could really just mm. could something in this podcast could make a woman go, oh, actually, that lump in my vulva might not be what I thought it was, or let me go and get my smear test done. Um, Knowledge and communication are crucial and look at your fanny in a mirror i'm it's not supposed fun. to call it a yes. fanny am i look at your vulva look at your vulva open it up check it out give her a name love her look at your lips no matter how long or big or small or wide or wrinkly or whatever mm. look at them and love them, them and just say them. thank you for being beautiful i need to look after you mm. and i need to take care of you and make sure that no fucking fuck boys come anywhere near you ruin um, you and upset you and even if they yeah. do you'll be fine but you know keep talking so get love, lippy with us love in your may. vagina yeah get lippy so what does that how do we get lippy in may um so you if people want to buy any of the products that are supporting you can find out on the Eve website the list of um the list of partners and it's kind of all just about sharing the posts we're going to put out with awareness messaging putting your own kind of one minute ramble on instagram about something you want to talk about with regards to gynae health and just using hashtag get lippy about basically anything to do with gynecological health gynecological cancers people's own stories what they want to know send us questions just talk engage and support yes brilliant somebody actually said one a question somebody sent in was that she works in an industry where i don't know what she does let's imagine it's like the police or Mm. whatever something very serious where she can't on her social media talk about vaginas Mm. she said but but she said that um she had experienced lots of vagina uh, vulva shaming Mm. and labia shaming and uh then she saw somebody in the locker room or whatever being bullied about their labia and calling ham fanny or something like that and she said that it made it so important to her to speak to other women Mm. about you know and to promote vagina health and vagina love and all of that stuff but she said that she can't use her own social media to do that because Mm. of the job that she's in yeah and she was wondering how how else to go about it but it is it's just talk to your friends share things like this with your friends there are people like Eva Peel and Karen who are shouting about it on social media Mm. so so even if we personally can't necessarily do you can that, still look at it. there's still yeah. things that we can, you can send do. private messages. You can email us if you've got a question, even if you can't be kind of vocal for the world to see and hear, yeah. you can kind of still, still learn things bit. and make a difference. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you so much, babe. Bye. Bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.